Hey everyone, we just watched The Return of the King live with some of our listeners, and we're all drunk, and now we're going to talk about it. <laughs> um, so before we get into the questions that are in the chat, um, I just want like spur of the moment takes from each of you, how you're feeling right now that we have finished this whole thing. You know, I think we went out there and we uh, we did our best. We played our best today. And uh, no matter what anyone says, I think that, you know, it's some of the best people we've got in the business are out here right now. And uh, I'm so glad that I made you watch football. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think uh, that one orc looks a lot more like a human than I thought before. Um, man, this takes really bad. Uh <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> and I Continue. liked that the I really liked that the scene um, where Sam and Frodo look up at the sky was in there because uh, that was a scene that I don't think I have ever noticed before in the movies and barely noticed in the books. And it was one that um, meant a lot more to me after reading the books with you guys. Uh, and I think actually um, it kind of drives home like why the extended versions of these movies are so good. Uh, because they they include enough of all the different storylines that you care like exponentially more about in particular Frodo and Sam yeah and I mean it's weird it doesn't really feel like we're done I know we are done or I mean theoretically we're we're done it doesn't feel like it it feels like we're just gonna pick up and like keep on chugging and it hasn't really hit me yet that it's like oh no that that was it what now (laughs) I think I'll be sad about it when that lands though like I'm already kind of feeling like I'm not thinking about it too hard because I'm going to be sad about it when it lands or you're not thinking too hard about it because you're going to realize that we have to do a tortle series uh, (laughs) yeah that's what it is yeah yeah I mean I, I think like it's one of those things where like I didn't really fully think we were gonna even get to this point so it's hard Mm -hmm. to react but it is also like I don't want to let go of it because I genuinely it was really good it was really good and also I genuinely feel more connected to both of you than I've ever felt in my life and that's saying something because we're really good friends (laughs) like but this has been a moment in time where I felt like we were not only friends, but like doing something together, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't really want to let go of that. So we'll see what happens now. But I don't really feel like this is the end. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, you know, in a way, like, I think that kind of ties back to this movie because this movie is the last movie in the series, right? And in a lot of ways, like, it should have been what felt like the end for this group of people, this cast, as well as the story. But both of those things, they leave it open-ended in a way where I feel like like they're not really ready to let go either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, should we pick some questions from chat? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we have some amazing listeners who have joined us for this four hour movie live watch so thank thank you all again for that endeavor okay so let's start at the beginning 
<laughs> When's the series premiere of Law and Mordor? <laughs> uh, but but real talk. Um, first question being, what actually happens to Mordor after this movie? Is it a like wasteland or? do some does gondor take it over like what actually happens um i am ashamed to admit that i do not know <laughs> yeah and uh, as we a got a question master, i feel like that probably means that neither of you know either <laughs> oh fully true yeah mm-hmm. and i think there's yeah it would feel very like hayao miyazaki to say like yeah and eventually like the grass will start growing again mm-hmm. but but at the same time, like, I think there's some deliberate parallels to the scouring of the Shire, right? Where the Shire is kind of destroyed in the way that Isengard is destroyed, but we get to see its rebuilding and its regrowth. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of says something about what Tolkien feels about what probably happens after destruction. So yeah. I'd like to think that he intended it to regrow. Um, all right. Next question. How should we feel about the manner of Gollum's death? Um, crickets. <laughs> yeah, I guess like ignoble, right? But mm-hmm. I think that's intentionally the point is that it's not, you know, it's not a noble death and it's not meant to be a noble death. It's meant to be kind of this sad, like I think in the books, my problem with Gollum's death is more a matter of pacing that it just happens so quickly that you're kind of like, wait, what? It, he's dead? The ring's gone? Like, it really genuinely happens in the span of a page. And I think the movie paces it better, but I think the manner of his death, the fact that it's just like this stupid little squabble. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that ultimately dooms him, but like saves the world is yeah. Like it's sad, but I think it's sad in a way that works. Right. Sad in the sense of like, all of this, like all of this strife, and it comes down to this, right? Like it comes down to nothing in the end. Yeah, and I think that like the thing that makes it a little bit more powerful in my eyes is that he's truly not an innocent, right? Mm-hmm. He is not some like innocent casualty of what's going on. He has been very complicit in everything that has happened and i think that makes it like even more powerful to have you feel sorry for him at the end yeah and there's a really good point in the chat which is that like if Gollum hadn't survived then frodo ultimately would have had to make the choice to throw it in and there's a you know that it's a good point that Frodo isn't ultimately strong enough to make that choice. Like, we would have lost something important from the books if Frodo had had to be strong enough to make that choice. Yeah. And so in some ways, like, like Gollum does hero. ultimately serve that purpose. I think if, if Frodo was just, like, the consummate hero, it would have made Gollum the consummate villain. Yeah. But and it's more interesting it's the more, other way around. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, with it nuanced. Yeah. All right. Next question. How did you guys get into LOTR? I know we talked about this a little bit in the like the very very first episode of the ch- yeah of the podcast, our prologue but episode. Maybe time to revisit. <laughs> um. Yeah. How, how did you guys get into it? Uh. Well, I had a weird dad. 
Uh, my dad was really into Lord of the Rings um, from very early on in his life. He uh, learned Elvish. He could speak Elvish and um, moved to the Pacific Northwest because it reminded him of LOTR. And I grew up uh, hearing about Lord of the Rings from him. Um, and so, you know, of course, I watched the movies when they came out. And then I think I read the books because Navia was reading them. No, shut the hell up. I read them because you were reading them. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I remember us reading the books at relatively the same time, and I, I know that you were a major influence mm-hmm. in that. Um, and But I, I think the first time I read them, I I wasn't super um, invested, and I had, a, I had a lot of trouble getting through the writing. It was really the movies that, that captivated me and sent me eventually sent me back to the text. I read them... I think slightly later than you two did. But again, this was the point where Navia and I hated each other. And so like, but Wanda was one of my friends. And the fact that they had this thing that they were into, I was like, well, fuck that. I'm going to read it too. Yeah, no, it's it's actually really funny to hear this now from both of you, because the major reason that I got into this is because I perceived that both of you were really into it. <laughs> all of us just competing all, to be into it, War of the Rings. It's a perfect triangle. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, I think, like, there was a period of time where the movies had just come out, and we were all in middle school, and I thought my entire group of friends is really into this thing. And my initial reaction was to just, like, completely reject it altogether. Mm -hmm. But after a while, I was like, you know what, maybe I should check this thing out. And I actually think, uh, funny story here, one of the major factors in this was that the Pirates of the Caribbean movies had come out at a very similar time. Yeah. And um, I really wanted to watch them. And both of these series were rated PG-13. And my parents at the time did not let me watch PG-13 movies. Mine either! And Ishani, your parents convinced my parents that I could watch Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, and I because remember my parents it, like let me. They had approved me going to somebody's birthday party yeah. to watch it, and I didn't end up going. Uh-huh. But then we rented it off of like Netflix or something, like or we got it from the movie store and watched it. And my parents were like, "It's fine." I loved that movie so much that I was like, "Maybe I need to check the rest of this out." Yeah, but I also was very pedantic. At the time, I was gonna say at the time. No, I'm still very pedantic. Let's be honest. <laughs> right. I'm like, um, and we are I, all no, we're both yeah. right. And I deliberately was like, I want to read these books before I watch the movies. And mm-hmm. so at that point, I read all the books, fell absolutely in love with them. Then watched the movies, fell in love with them too, and that kind of spurred the whole thing. And it's it's funny to me that Wanda is reading these books on the podcast for only the second time because. She is one of the critical inspirations to the reason I read the books in the first place. And I've read them probably 25 to 30 times at this point. Holy shit, so, really? 25 times? That's incredible. I'm a big rereader. I've, I've read, like, my, my favorite books I've read infinite times. It pissed my mom off to no extent. She was like, just read a new book! But, <laughs> but I don't know. And it's it, it's probably like not correct to say I've read the whole book that many times because really what I was doing was starting from my favorite parts and then reading on from there. Right. But but you've, you've, uh, you've dipped in. I've dipped in a lot. 25, 30 times. 
All right. Next question is. Yeah, I think it's what are you doing next, podcasting what, or otherwise? Oh, what are or what projects next? are you most excited about? Okay. I mean, I think we can give like two answers to this question. If there's some, anything personal you want to shout out that you're doing next, let's do that first. Yeah. Um, Ishani, do you have any um, any projects you want to shout out? Mm, no, I don't. I mean, like, I've got a couple of shows that are going to do next season. So, like, when I start podcasting again a little more actively, it'll be because a couple of shows um, are are going to do a second season and a third season, respectively. Nice. But other than that... Um, By the way, for those of you who confirmed. don't know, Ishani is an incredibly accomplished voice actor, and you should definitely check her out on Twitter um, to see what other podcasts she's involved with, because she's kind of a big deal more than the rest <laughs> of us are. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a big deal, but thank you. That was very kind. Hey, you're a bigger deal than the rest of us. That's hey, so true. Well, only until Odne- Odne- I forgot the name of our podcast. Only until ODNS takes off. Right until it blows we're about up. To, we're about to blow up at the very end here. Yeah, right. Um, but we have talked about potentially doing a, like a Song of the Lioness, like reread, or not, yeah, reread for all of us. Um, we would probably do a little less editing. It might be a little less polished just because the editing is the thing that really takes a lot of time. Um, in order to do that, we are going to have to get Wanda to stop touching her mic, which <laughs> might really be the barrier in us not editing a podcast. Oh my God. Um, said with love, but also with accuracy. <laughs> Amazing. Um, for those that don't know, Song of the Linus is a book by Tamara Pierce or a series by Tamara mm-hmm. Pierce in her um, many, many, many books about the Tortal universe, uh, which Ishani calls Tortal, which we talked about sometimes <laughs> on the pod. Yep. Um, and uh, they're books that we all read when we were in our uh, tween phase. And um, many people in the chat, actually, it looks like read them too. They concern a headstrong uh, girl who goes to the capital of Tortal to become a female knight, dressing up as a man, and uh, both matures as a person and also has many uh, uh, enchanting love affairs. So basically, Very the Eowyn, best. Eowyn adjacent, honestly. Eowyn adjacent for sure. Yeah, yeah. really, um, really like trashy fun like ahead of its time in terms of like representation of women in books <laughs> and also like mm. the, the the finest the finest that YA uh literature has to offer for a YA audience so mm-hmm. we might we might do that um personally Wanda, speaking, there, yeah okay what were you gonna say yeah no no I was gonna ask you if there's any personal things you want to plug so go for it yeah, nothing personal I want to plug right now, except maybe like maybe you know doing more podcasting with you guys. Um, I'm in the middle of reading the book of the New Sun, and the most exciting thing coming up for me is finishing that series, um, <laughs> which is the sci-fi fantasy series from the '80s um, by a guy named Gene Wolfe, and it's very entertaining. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. By what the way, that is Pinocchio? my I oh yeah. 
Sorry. I got distracted by a question in the chat. People are talking about their comfort books. And I was like, oh, I want to talk about my comfort book. Um, which is Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. But that's all. It's like the 18th time you've plugged that book to me this month. <laughs> it's really, truly a comfort book. I'm going to plug uh, King of Atolia by Megan Whalen Turner, which is just phenomenal. But Navia, what's your pro- if any projects you want to plug and then tell us your comfort book? Um, yeah, I mean, project I'm going to plug because all of you know it already. I'm in a band with my husband. It's called Shards of Narsil. Um, we, we do not make Lord of the Rings theme music, but we love Lord of the Rings and we make music. So if you want to check us out, we're on all the streaming platforms. Always looking Warning, for Warning though, listeners. their songs are earworms. They will get stuck in your head. That's the greatest compliment that I've ever heard. Thank you so much. I love you. Um, but yeah, no, please, please do check our music out. Um, it's metal. I'll warn you. So if you don't like that, I guess don't check You should out, still but... listen because it's good. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. Um, and then I guess in terms of like what's next for us. Yeah, I'm like 300% bought into a tortle, tortal series podcast. Um, just kind of like just gonna be a hundred episodes of me slowly getting you guys to call it turtle <laughs> it's it's kind of just entirely dependent on how many people actually have a memory of reading these books um mm-hmm. and whether anyone would be interested in it but we did and we're interested in it so maybe who cares i don't know but yeah. <laughs> uh as far as books comforting books for me to read um i mean lord of the rings is a, is a big one but if I had to go outside of that, um, one of the best authors slash, it's not a series, but like she's written a couple books. One of the best authors that I've read, her name is Ya Igyasi. I hope I'm saying that at all even remotely correctly, but she wrote Homegoing and then she followed it up with another book called um, Transcendent Kingdom. And they're honestly like some of the best books I've ever read in my life. I don't know if I'd call them comforting. They're mostly thought provoking, but kind of just life changing books for me. So I'm going to throw that out there as my recommendation. And I read a lot. So I don't know. Take that with whatever mm-hmm. grains of salt you want. Do we have other questions yeah. from the chat? I'll just shout out to the person in the chat who's drinking homemade mead right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Respect. Okay. But now here's the question that we really wanted to get to. What surprised you all most about the experience reading the books and analyzing them this intensely? I would say what surprised me the most was how it didn't, it it, it kind of, my my, uh, interpretation of it kept evolving. Like when we started out reading them, I... I had like a very strong interpretation one way and the further we got into them, the more it felt like the the books kind of uh, grew out of any kind of analogy you can draw between them and the world, um, the world as it exists today or at any, any other time in, in the past. And it really became a pure fantasy in that it is like, a story that exists or is, is just, you know, this, 
Lord of the Rings is Lord of the Rings. It's just about it's just about Middle Earth, this like complete fantasy story that Tolkien created. Um, at one point mm-hmm. in during the like a recording an episode, uh, Navi and I were like nitpicking some like the realism of something, and Ishani was like, "Hey, I hate to break it to you guys, but this is a magical story where people fight dragons and goblins," and <laughs> that is that's like the thing that surprised me the most about reading it again. Yeah. Navia, what about you? Yeah, I think um, in some ways, like what Wanda is saying, and then also kind of adding on that, how surprising it is, how relatable it still is. Like, I've always loved this story, but I wasn't expecting us to be able to draw so many parallels of what is currently happening to this particular narrative. Um, Because to me, it's like, I I kind of expected us to just have a lot of nostalgic value for this story and not have a lot Mm -hmm. new to say about it. But I mean, at its core, this was a pandemic podcast. We started it, you know, kind of because we all had a lot of new time on our hands. And I don't think I was expecting us to have so much to relate to our current situation. Um, and I, I think like maybe that's what makes it one of the classics in the way that like no matter what time you're reading it in you can find relatability to what's going on in your personal life but yeah that's what I had to say <laughs> yeah yeah it is weird I mean and in the chat right yes it really has only been going on since the pandemic mm-hmm. um we really appreciate that folks have been listening so like attentively because we were not necessarily in a good space when we started this um <laughs> and but yeah i think as far as what's surprised me or what i wasn't expecting about the analysis is that i actually formed like i had really strong opinions about stuff um but kind of answering that secondary question, like a lot of the opinions I had weren't the opinions I expected to have going into it, you know? Um, yeah, I, I like, would agree with that. Yeah. So like I really expected to like certain characters. I really expected to like, I remembered really liking um, the second half of Two Towers and I had a very different opinion on a lot of parts of the books, reading them more closely, reading them more carefully. And I think reading them with many more years of experience behind me compared to in middle school. Um, And that doesn't mean I liked them less, right? I think I just liked them differently. Um, And part of that enjoyment was admittedly griping about a lot of choices that Tolkien made, but I enjoyed doing that. No, I think you're totally right. I mean, I think the context that all three of us had the last time we had that that we read these books was inherently a fairly prepubescent or pubescent attitude mm-hmm. towards the story, right? And that kind of informed a lot of our reactions to it, especially towards certain characters like Aragorn. And rereading it at this point in our lives where we're like so 
not to make it sound old as fuck, but like we're we're a lot beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very different. Where I, I think the most surprising thing to me was that I didn't like Aragorn. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't think that Aragorn was going to be the character that we talked about the most. You know, we had like the we I think we had the the most consistent or most cogent like ongoing discussion about him as opposed to any mm-hmm. other character. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I and uh, it was kind of funny rewatching the movie right now actually because my biggest takeaway from the reread of these books was like the transference of my attraction from a character like Aragorn to a character like Sam. And yeah. rewatching the rewatching the movie, I was like, you know, I kind of understand why I didn't have that take originally because the casting choices explain that, right? You're not intended to find Sean Astin attractive. And so, like, the the way that I felt reading the book was really surprising, where I was like, you know what? I think I'm a Sean girl. I think yeah. I'm a Sam girl. I think I'm a Boromir girl. <laughs> right? <laughs> These are not ways that I felt before. Um, somebody asked, somebody in the chat asked, what generation is everyone in this chat? We're solidly millennial. We're all millennials. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you all know we went to school together, so... Yeah. Uh, We've also got questions about favorite quote, and what characters do you relate to most? Okay, favorite quote um, from the movies? I I mean, I think I said it during the movie, but my favorite... Is it here at the end of all things? No, it's not here at the end of all things. It's Ride to Ruin and the World's End. Oh, yes, you did say that. (laughs) But I think if I had to, like pull out a quote if somebody said like what do you remember from lord of the rings that's quotable that like feels impactful after the fact right like i'm glad to be with you sam here at the end of all things is a lot um but i also really like gandalf's like you know so do all who are born in times like these right that Mm. whole thing about you don't choose it that's one of the um, ones where, like, reading it now, it was like, oh, it's so relatable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't realize we were reaching back and like, to all the movies. Um, I was just thinking about this movie, and I think one that stuck out, partially because we were talking through a lot of the <laughs> most impactful scenes, <laughs> was um, when, in that scene where Theoden is talking to Eowyn, and uh, she says, what would you have me do? And he says, I would have you smile again, not grieve for those whose time is gone. Oh, come. yeah. And that was very... Uh, Babe, just... you should smile. You look so much better that way. <laughs> yeah, that's what the end saying. That's what he meant. That's what he means. Yeah, you look so much better when you smile. Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually going to the second question of the character I find most relatable for me. It's definitely Owen, um, as evidenced by the fact that I have her tattooed on my arm, obviously, but. I mean, I find her relatable in ways that are, like, I recognize that she's not perfect and that she has deeply flawed moments in this book and in this narrative where, you know, like, she has a job that she's objectively choosing not to do. Is that you? Are you choosing not to do your job? (laughs) Um, (laughs) In case my manager is listening to this, I am extremely committed to my job and everything (laughs) No, no, it's more like I think I recognize this idea that you might 
not really know what you want. Because mm-hmm. I think Eowyn, like, in this book and in this movie, I think she, like, really thinks she knows what she wants, right? She thinks she really, really badly wants to be this hero of war. And then she has this this narrative after that happens of not knowing yeah. who she is anymore. And I find that deeply, deeply relatable. And mm-hmm. so that's why she's my most relatable character. I would say Mary. Um, throughout this book, the when he pledges himself to Theoden and then, mm-hmm. you know, finds himself in a much bigger role than he expected to um that feels relatable just because of the the experience that i've had in the last few years getting involved in things including this podcast where i didn't expect to be invested or committed not that like mary does not expect to be invested in like the war (laughs) which she's already in (laughs) um but that the 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 amount of basically like he's he's the his character um, like pivots dramatically from being someone who's primarily uh, involved in the fellowship to being really like a, uh, a, a little, a little Rohirrim in his own way. And mm-hmm. I, and when Theoden dies, he's like completely devastated by it and it doesn't seem like it ever really leaves him. So I find that, I find that relatable. What about you, Ashani? I was a, I was actually also going to say Mary um, for slightly different reasons, because I think for me, the bits of Mary that I really related to were like, A, you stumble into things and you're just like, how the fuck did I end up here? Right? Like, I didn't realize that I was choosing this. And like, for folks who know about my voice acting career, like that was very much a, wait, what? Like, how did that happen? And I do a lot of nonprofit work outside of my day job. And even that was kind of like, it sort of just happened. Um, And so like, there's some pretty major components of my life that I feel like I did not really understand what I was getting into. And they're really important, but I also did not know what I was signing up for when I started doing them. And then they become like these much bigger things. But the other part of Mary that I really relate to is being the person who's just like, we should have a map. We should have a plan. Let me solve this problem. <laughs> like That if you are married, then we are Pippin. <laughs> you know, like that me, that me. <laughs> I, originally, I was like, am I Gandalf? And then I went, no, I think I'm a, I'd like to think I communicate a little better than Gandalf does. I do want but, to shout but, out some of these quotes. You are good, that though. Are... <laughs> Thank you. I'm good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do want to shout out some of these quotes that people are putting in the chat because they're mm-hmm. really great. Um, Alas, that these evil days should be mine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Wait, who says uh, that again in the movie? I think that's I think Frodo, that's right? right? Because then that's the one that Gandalf... To which Gandalf says... No, 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 no. It definitely is not. Alas, these evil days should be mine. Isn't that... Is that Faramir? No. Is it? I think that's Frodo. Oh, Theoden says it. Theoden says it. That's that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, Also, there's there's some good in this world, and it's worth fighting for, of course. Mm -hmm. An all-time classic. And then I, I really love this last one. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. 
Yeah. It's. But they're by your husband. Okay. It's a good well, quote, you know what? though. It's a good quote. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry that I love the quote and the person who said it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, no, yeah. no, it's a wonderful quote. <laughs> um, I, I had a question for people who were in the chat. Um, which was, you know, what are the things, is there anything that was in the book that was not in the movie that you wish had been in there? And I am a little bit too lazy to go back uh, all the way up to the top to see what people said. But I think what I remember having read the responses is that a lot of people were upset that the period of time where Sam and Frodo and Rosie Cotton all lived together wasn't in there at all. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's this it's a nice space of time that actually illustrates what life is like in the Shire after they come back, and how Frodo actually does try to make it work, um, and but just kind of finds after like a long period of time that he can't, and it's it's a long time it's like it's like years right. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah, it's so really I, underrated, this idea of, like, trying on behalf of someone else, right? And we kind of even talked about it in the movie where Frodo doesn't... In that moment, he's hanging off of the cliff, right? right? Where he has a moment where you can see in his face that he's ready to fall, and he chooses instead to grab Sam's hand. And I think, like, that idea is really beautiful and also incredibly melancholy of like living for someone else's happiness. Um I'm sorry to be like the downer. <laughs> no, yeah, I think that's I, a I mean, good. I, I don't necessarily think it's a downer of an idea though. I mean, yes it is sad, right? But like mm-hmm. yeah. I I I pulled that out at a certain point like in the in the first book. I remember there were um there was a moment where um oh my gosh, I'm burping. Um uh, but there was a moment <laughs> where uh, it, it did seem like the only reason why, you know, they were going on was because of this sort of like hope against hope and hope even in the defiance of all reality. And um, that's, that is, you know, that's definitely something that I think ultimately, like once you've been through it or experienced something like that going on when there's, when it doesn't feel like there's a reason to go on except people mm. who you love are asking you to, then you know, it's like, yes, it's like a sad and also a really positive thing. I think it's, I, I think it's a really deeply relatable emotion for anybody who's ever experienced depression. I think from an external perspective, you might think it's sad that that person is living only for other people. But for some people, that's like the singular thing that drives them onwards, you know, mm-hmm. where that's the thing that they're like, okay, I'm choosing to make this decision to be alive every day because of the people who love me. And eventually it turns into an emotion of people love me, you know? And I think that's what makes it beautiful is this idea, not that like you don't have anything to live for, but that the thing that you are living for is the fact that people love you. We're talking about this, and people in the chat are talking about Tom Bombadil, like who Tom Bombadil is. <laughs> well, in fairness, they're on a lag, so they haven't heard what we just said. Yeah, and it is a very valid question of, okay, what is Tom Bombadil? <laughs> who is Tom Bombadil? Why is Tom Bombadil? All right, I think with that, 
we gotta wrap it up. <laughs> yep. Eleven thirty yeah. where I am. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, before we wrap it up, just again want to say thank you so much to everyone that has followed us on this ridiculous and incredible journey. Um. Yeah, we're so happy that you guys are all here, and that- we're very flattered that you want to hear us talk. <laughs> so. Yeah. It really um, it, genuinely yeah, means a lot to all of us. Yeah, mostly flattered. And and I think all three of us feel like this isn't really the end. So um, keep an eye out, I guess, for whatever we might have coming out next. Yeah. We will probably, whatever we do next, we will probably release on the ODNS stream, is my guess. At um, least it announced Or like the ODNS it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... We wouldn't have done it without you, and we really appreciate it. So yeah, yeah. really, really couldn't have done it without you guys. Mm-hmm. One um, does not simply podcast without listeners. That's correct. right. One does not simply podcast <laughs> into the void. <laughs> All right, I love you guys. Yeah. I will talk to you soon. Yeah, love you guys. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>